we know that you will love this podcast. So shut your mouth and listen to Canadian Bushcraft. Hello, Dragonfly Nation. This is the Canadian Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Caleb Musgrave. And I'm yet again joined by Rye the Adventure Guy Moffat. Been a while since we saw him, but it's nice to have him back. Bonjourno. <laughs> no step on snick. <laughs> oh, it's good to have you back, brother. Really good to have you back. Glad to be back. So we're going to be talking about one of our favorite subjects. Um, Ryan and I spent last summer, for like a month straight you were here, building a birch bark canoe. Yeah, I was camped out. Yeah, you're in the front yard. (laughs) We kept going, like, there's a couch inside. Like, I'd rather have my own room. (laughs) And uh, It's the cat allergies, I swear. Yep. Yep. Totally just that. And uh, we spent, like, a good, like, month. You were out there digging roots with us, peeling and splitting it down and boiling it and carving the wood down and bending that bark and stitching that bark. It gave us both a different appreciation for canoes. Yeah. I can guarantee that. And, yeah, we both love canoes. So why not talk about them? It's like we're on episode, like, 18 now. We haven't talked about canoes, 17 or 18. And we haven't talked about canoes once, really. It's a shame. It is. We've got to rectify that. It's, the, it's this summer time, and we haven't talked about canoes. It's just offensive. So we figured we'd do a special about canoes, canoe tripping, canoe camping, why we love them, some of our favorite trips in a canoe, but also talk to you about, as a newcomer, or even kind of an intermediate to canoeing, good places to go for day trips, Yeah, maybe weekend trips, weekend trips, week-long trips, week-long trips, and expeditions. And expeditions. <laughs> those are three, those are four really good categories. Day trip, weekend trip, week-long expedition. Yeah, extended stay. Going to be gone for a while. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. <coughs> so, let's start off with what is a canoe and what do we love about it. A canoe is a one to three person, or they can be much bigger, uh, but for most trips you're going to have like a one to three person canoe. Uh, they're usually symmetrically shaped from bow to stern. Sometimes they're asymmetrical, sometimes they're a little bit wider on the left or wider on the right for different styles of paddling. It depends if you're river running, if you're lake yeah. running. You're doing flat water, white water. Definitely. It's all different. And there's other variations you'll see. Some have a bigger keel. Others have little to no keel so Mm -hmm. they can move around fast on rocks. Yeah. Um, And then the rapids. And then others have a nice big broad keel that's going to catch the wind and catch the waves and keep that canoe in one pattern of one direction when you're crossing the big lake. Which is, yeah, good. Big lakes, oceans, anything Oceans, like that, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Choppy water and stuff like that. I didn't think You've about done it until ocean last paddling. year. <laughs> You've done ocean paddling. I've never, done, I've never left Ontario with a canoe. I, the leading up to That's it, not I just, true. I I just to tried to think about it as being like a Lake, Lake Huron, Lake Superior, one of the big great lakes. But when you get out there, it's like, Russia's over there. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're on the Pacific. Yeah, I was you're on the You're in the Pacific, Broken Group, so, right? Oh, yeah, Broken Group Islands. Crazy. Vancouver Island. So that's like another even bigger level of understanding canoes in the water. Yeah. Man, that's that's, abs- yeah, it's that's typically a, a sea kayak sort of area, but it, it's a good challenge to go out there and do it canoe-wise and being familiar with canoes. It's right. a little easier, especially with packing-wise. You're not having to really pack everything down into like these little tiny bags and shove them into the hull of... A sea kayak. kayak, so yeah, you can make the room you need for what the gear you want. Yeah, yeah. And as long as like there's spray skirts and all those sorts of yeah. little extra gear, you can get to stop the waves from crashing. But as long as you're paddling smart and paddling at the right times, if it's getting so choppy that the waves are crashing over you, unless you don't have any other option, just wait it out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but. Yeah, it's a it's a different beast depending on where you go. Whitewater is its own beast. Ocean yeah. paddling is its own beast. Hopping from island to island, <coughs> since it was just in like a little archipelago kind of thing. So we were just hopping from island to island, and then you'd see seals bopping out of the water. That's not something you're used to in Algonquin Park or maybe Tomography. a beaver, maybe <laughs> an otter, but not a seal. Yeah, we like you'll see some sea otters over there too, yeah. and we were eating dinner and seeing orcas. 
Man. swimming past our island and stuff Beautiful. like that. So that's something that makes it worth the extra risk in the end. <laughs> for sure. Just going to see those things. Sure helps the Instagram too. Yeah, definitely good for the Instagram. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all different. There's, It's good to mix things up once in a while because if you just get used to running the typical Ontario Provincial Park system and it gets just, pretty easy breezy after a while yeah once you've seen most of Algonquin you've seen the other half of Algonquin kind of thing yeah like it's it's good to do and it's like if you love the area go back as much as you possibly can sort of thing Heck yeah. but I like mixing things places. up a little bit you're ride the adventure guy. You gotta yeah. go on adventures. I gotta live up to the name I've given myself. So. <laughs> so in that light, like, why do we love canoes so much? If you could have done that with a kayak, why do you love canoes? Canoes, I like the freedom of them. I like the history of them. Yeah. I was like, just Canada is the place to be for paddling yeah. and stuff like that. It's the way everybody used to get around so much water ways yeah. encompass this country so it's just the obvious <coughs> way to go for that sort of thing and canoes can take you where kayaks can't and mm -hmm. then kayaks are good for like i said that Big open water. water and crashing waves and getting through things that's what they're designed for but yeah you don't want to be taking a big 14 foot solo kayak into the small rivers where you're going to be going through some tight areas yeah. like especially when you go into like the really backwoods algonquin and not easy to portage northern kayak. algonquin and stuff like yeah. oh yeah that too even though there is a company out there called kayak that makes oh yeah yeah a yoke for kayaks and i have one of them how's that work so far you can it's pretty good because it's just like a nice little modular system with like a strap nylon strap on one side that wraps around the hole of the kayak okay. and then over top you have a plastic piece which sits right on your shoulders on nice. your neck kind of thing so it's That's a nice, nice little thing to kind of give the kayak lovers a, a way more. to portage and do that sort of thing gives but, you an option at least but yeah i like the freedom of a canoe <coughs> you can have your legs just spread eagle out there <laughs> you can stand up in a yeah. canoe you can stand up you can set up a sail with a car with a canoe mm -hmm. there's so many things you can do with a canoe that aren't easy to do with almost any other mode of transportation it's a little quicker to pack and go as well and just portage toss everything back like you had it before and then you're off yeah to go. you'll even see the occasional pairs of tandem paddlers where they just don't even take their gear out of the canoe they just pick up the canoe and yeah. walk it out like a big moving furniture project mm -hmm. i've always found that a strain and a pain i'd rather throw it up on my head and carry it and i like that you have the option to either kneel or sit yeah in it too and it's gives your blood circulation a little bit better chance yeah, and if you have three people you can toss one in the middle in a tandem kayak you can't even do that no so, you unless you option. put them in one of the little portholes <laughs> so like that guy who built a kayak for his dogs and him right that was pretty cool but, but yeah canoe i just love the history of it from birch bark like we had learned last year with pardon me building birch bark canoes and all that stuff it's just so much history it's not all always been the kevlars and abs and royal x and everything like that so yeah what about you what do you have to say about he waits until I'm trying to plug things in i don't know you just kind of left me <laughs> <laughs> we have a fan down here with us and we're trying to contend with humidity and the heat we're kind of dealing with part of the heat wave right now when i think even like canoeing has like it's it's an art form in itself but it also doesn't have as big of learning curve as kayaking yeah. and being by yourself and you get stuck out there soloing because not many people jump to straight soloing canoes but they'll get in a kayak and go and then like get in the middle of georgian bay and be like oh my god my arms are killing me they right. feel like rubber <laughs> but fair so they're a little less they're a little more foolproof kind of thing totally the history of them is really interesting. As we were talking about, you mentioned, and I mentioned, the, the canoe building out of bark. There's so much different options of canoes. <clears throat> Even in the old days, you had... I haven't paddled the dugout yet. Soon. <laughs> yeah. Soon. We're going to get that dugout built. <laughs> you have dugout canoes, birch bark canoes, elm bark 
canoes, spruce bark canoes, pine bark canoes in some parts of North America. And then you had moose hide canoes that were used to transport trade goods down to Montreal from northern Quebec. Yeah. <clears throat> All these different options out there. And then in modern days, you have from like the classical period with cedar strip canvas canoes all the way to like Nesmuk, like George Washington Sears, where he had a um, canoe made out of pine slats and I believe it was either Egyptian cotton or muslin. I think it was Egyptian cotton that he used. Yeah, the and canvas then, over frame canoes are getting pretty big these days. Yeah, they're getting popular yeah. again finally. Mm -hmm. And uh, his canoe was really interesting because it was like the original ultralight because that canoe weighed 12 and a half pounds. And it was made out of wood and canvas. It was just yeah. the thinnest canvas he could get and the thinnest wood he could get or the lightest wood he could get without it losing structural integrity. Mm -hmm. And he took that all through the Adirondacks and such. It was a really kind of cool story. And this is like turn of the century. Nowadays, we have like Royal X, we have Kevlar, we have carbon fiber. Even though Royal X has kind of been discontinued and that's why it's so... Yeah, yeah. Everybody, whenever they see a Royal X canoe come available, they jump on it because... Durable. The manufacturer of Royal X was only making them for canoes and they decided it wasn't the most lucrative production option, so they yeah. decided, screw it, I'm not doing it anymore. Fair. So I'm not sure if they still have a patent. It's like, I don't know why no canoe... Idea canoe companies can't just start doing it themselves because you had like novacraft you had evergreen you had mad river old yeah. town almost every canoe company that existed had royal x canoes in, yeah. through the two, in the 90s and 2000s that was like the option yeah. that everybody wanted for it was lighter than aluminum canoes almost as tough as an aluminum canoe cheaper than a kevlar canoe well, royal x kind of ruled in that way they can take a look and keep on ticking. For the most thing. part, you yeah. You can bend them in half and still punch them back into place, and they'll get you home. Yeah. That we had one holes, that went up into Tomogamy, northern Tomogamy. It got wrapped around a, a, a boulder in a river. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Tore part of the side, which was incredible because it's a laminate. That's three different layers of material you got to tear. And what the guy did was when they finally were able to pry it out, they straightened the canoe again, and he drilled holes with the awl in his Swiss Army knife or Leatherman drilled holes and stitched it together with spruce root in the field and then mm. took spruce gum and just smeared it on the crack. Yeah. And they were able to finish the trip with that canoe. Yeah, up doing the Madawaska, <clears throat> I put a nice lengthwise crack into a Royal X canoe. That was, oh. Almost wrapped it around a rock. Luckily got pushed off, but just, just the, the pressure right of the water, since we like tipped upstream, went against the rock and got pushed back and kind of hung there for five seconds and then oh, got man. washed down. And then it was once we got back up out of the water that we realized it was a big lengthwise crack down it. So we had to take that one back and <coughs> Sounds about worry right. about it later. <laughs> yeah. I think luckily we were just doing training courses, so we weren't on a big, long expedition or anything like that. Oh, that's so. good. And so canoes are... For a Canadian, a very personal kind of vessel, the history and legacy, like they were the freight trucks and freight trains of their era. <coughs> From the 1600s into the 1800s, that was the way Canadians were moving from settlements into the interior and how indigenous people were moving their goods to the trading posts and moving their communities from camp to camp. Um, you got to remember, like with Anishinaabek people, we didn't set up in one spot all year round. We were staying in winter camps that we would toboggan to and snowshoe to, uh, or use dog sleds even. Uh, we were then, from then on, as soon as it, the spring breakup happened, we were on the move by canoe. We were going from our fishing grounds in the springtime when the fish runs would happen, then we'd be going up into our summer camps where we'd be getting our gardens built and such, and gathering food and gathering materials to get for the rest of the year. And then we'd be moving to our late summer camps with our harvest, start getting wild rice and manomen, and then going all the way back and getting ready to go back to the winter camp. So there's not a single month of open water that Canada hasn't had people moving by canoe. And that's incredible. If you think of the entire human history on this landscape, there's always been a boat in the water called a canoe in some form or another. Whether it's Jimon in the Anishinaabeg language or Gwitten of the Mi'kmaq language or whatever you want to call it around the world, in North America, not around the world, you have the canoe. And that's really kind of cool that it hasn't really evolved outside of material selection. 
Yeah. Material section, selection, style. Because I guess yeah. like the white water styles have only come around in the past 30, 40 years. To I'm a degree, sure yeah. How long you've had the big rounded bottom ones that are. There's been rocker for like, uh, yeah. you see like some river specific birch bark canoes and they would have yeah. much more rocker in them. But uh, you're right. Like the main shape of a whitewater canoe is yeah, a very all the modern crazy concept. tumble home on yeah. it and everything. So all that stuff. It's incredible technology. Mm-hmm. But other than that, everything's been pretty true to the Reform. original design. Yeah. with everything. And so, in that light of what makes them so great, they get us into the interior. You get to a place where you can't paddle. You throw it up on your head and you carry it to the next spot until you can get it back into water. And you can keep going like that. You can avoid rapids that way. You can avoid <clears throat> big muskeggy spots that way. You can just portage around. And so the canoe has to be light enough to do that um, for that specific thing. There's some canoes that are not made to be portaged. Uh, the, I would say, honestly, a Grumman canoe, an aluminum canoe, unless you heavily modify it by putting in the right kind of thwarts. Yeah, putting in a, a yoke in, yolk in there. Rather than just the steel bars that they have oh. in there. So. But I can tell you right now, it's real fun to use those on a set of rapids because you know they're not going to break and you're yeah. just going to make a lot of noise as you go down. <laughs> it's just fun to goof around in. <clears throat> they're bomb proof. And you can even, uh, there, there's a case uh, that Dr. Gino Ferry from Wilderness, uh, from Survival in the Bush Incorporated, back in the 80s or 90s, I believe, he was, they're doing a double course where they're doing whitewater and the survival course on the same trip. And one of the students went over a small fall, fell out of the canoe, and got pushed into the water barrel effect of the canoe of the of the waterfall. And so they were able to pull him out, but it was you know mid to late October. He was going to be going hypothermic pretty quick. He's, he was in there for about three or four minutes. Um, moving water chills the body really quick, as you can tell anybody else. They didn't have water gear for that. Kind of, they didn't have like a wetsuit or anything for that trip, which is. Most likely because it was the 80s and 90s, they're a lot more expensive yeah. and hard to find that time. Well, even a good dry suit these days is like Not $600 yeah. just for like your starter package for yeah. a full body dry suit. So. so he didn't really have that on him. So what Gino ended up doing was having the students that weren't in there to keep panic at bay. He had them all doing specific tasks. You get all the firewood. You go and get all the gear and set up camp for everybody. You take that canoe walk it up to that big rock up there. And they took a grumman canoe up to the rock, and they got kindling put up there, and they had the guy lay inside of the canoe like a lean-to shelter and then have a fire in, against the rock. And the rock would reflect heat to the aluminum canoe, and that would bounce heat down to him. So he wasn't hypothermic yet, and now they were promising that he would not go hypothermic because they were giving him this reflective heat like a mylar blanket. Yeah, Really kind of cool thing you can do with an aluminum canoe. You can't really do that with a Kevlar canoe. Mm-hmm. But you can still use a canoe as a shelter if need be. Modern canoes don't really have the bow and stem pieces high enough or stern piece high enough to really make it an effective canoe. If you look at the old Voyager canoes, and that's why you see when folks do Voyager canoe trips, they will purposely set up with that canoe and they'll prop it on its side like a lean-to shelter. And the guides of that trip will sleep under that canoe as they would in historic times with the Voyagers. Well, for even anyone who hasn't been to the Canadian Canoe Museum here in Peterborough area, right? They have a, they they have display. a little display with the whole huge thirty-foot yeah. Voyager canoe it's on its side and canvas tent beside it, and showing you what the setup would be for people camping out underneath it, sort of yeah. thing. Because you don't have to set anything up; you just tip it on its side, go to sleep underneath, and wake up five hours later. So. <laughs> Whatever you can yeah. get. Up. They uh, well, they would be like going so each day and yeah. working for like 18 hours a day so yeah. you only have that much time to sleep the rest yeah. of you that you're not in the canoe you're eating mm-hmm. trying to recover calories and trying back, to keep up that 60 strokes per minute pace yeah. and everything so yeah <laughs> back in uh 2012 i believe it was maybe 2011 my cousin and i went out on rice lake with this tiny little fish not even a joke fisher price canoe i i shit you not uh, plastic little ABS plastic cheap canoe. Uh, the thwart buckled from weight of water. Like that's how cheap this was. And we paddled out to an island to uh, fish. And just as we got to the island, a storm came in. 
and we had no gear with us for a storm. We had no rain gear, nothing. It was sunny as hell, beautiful day, nothing in the forecast about weather. <clears throat> so we paddled up, got onto the island, and then we realized that there was no shelter on that island. Everything had been blown down by storms in the past. And so we ended up taking two of the blown down logs, stacking more brush on them <clears throat> to make walls that were about two and a half feet tall. And then we propped the canoe over that just as a roof. And we laid down beside each other and just let the rain pour around us and just get us kind of wet instead of soaking wet. Um, so you can do it even with a modern canoe that's not made for it. You can still make a roof in an emergency. Yeah, Can't really do that easily with a kayak. It's, it's easier when you have the big, long, huge canoes because yeah. the thwarts don't take up as much space. Yeah. When you only have a 16-foot canoe, you only have so much space. Yeah, and we were using a 10-footer. We were using, a, like yeah. I said, a kid's play toy. Yeah. We were just like, oh, we'll just paddle out and get some fish. Well, if, you, if you propped it up as like a roof rather than a lean-to, yeah. it would have worked It worked that way. Well, that's what we ended up doing is yeah. was on top of those two log piles. Yeah. And so we had like just a roof over us, no walls, and we were yeah. just exposed. But we just laid down beside each other until the storm broke mm -hmm. after an hour. And then paddled back against the headwinds. That was yeah. great. And on that, like trips, like that was a that was a crazy experience with a canoe, which was not the right canoe in the right conditions. What are your favorite trips? What have, what has been your favorite canoe trips? Well, talking like about there's Broken Group Islands, which was yeah. like just a world in its own, just being in the ocean seeing whales and seals and sea lions basking on the rocks and seeing all these things I'm not used to seeing in Ontario because that's where most of my experience is, is right. Ontario. So, But places like Tomogamy, I would say, because that's when you really start feeling like you're in the thick of it. The wilderness. Like Algonquin Park, You don't get me wrong, you feel like you're in nature, but at the same time, you're always coming across other groups and everything yep. like that. But once you start hitting past Sudbury and up towards Timmins and Tomogamy, then you're finally getting out into the bush. You're in wildness. Yeah. yeah. Like, not many beginners are like, hey, let's go to Tomogamy. <laughs> at least <laughs> so, they shouldn't. Yeah. There's some nice little trips you can do up there. Yeah. But it's mostly big trips you're doing mm -hmm. in Tomogamy because it's a big area. Yeah, the and biggest signs of... The only signs of man you're usually seeing are like the odd hunting stand on the side of a river or something yeah. like that. And then you'll see some boat accessible lakes have some cottages on them. But once you get past that first portage, you're just in rocky terrain and yeah. going nowhere. So like like Lady Evelyn Smoothwater area, yeah, you'll get a lot of fishing boats and come across some sites that have been trashed and just garbage bags full but not removed sort mm -hmm. of thing but once you get in there because i've done like the ishpatina ridge like, oh cool area and stuff like that so that's actually where spadina in toronto gets his name really the same word it's oh, talking yeah. about a long a hill or a, an incline that goes a long distance on a, gra on yeah. a gradual slope that's okay. what it's talking about okay yeah yeah but yeah, that area is all just in the thick of it. You'll see some people, and then eventually you just won't see anybody anymore. Except cool. we would come across like the camps that they do the fifty long, fifty day long trips and stuff like that. Just, yeah, where they like go and they just get out and get a resupply, and then they're back in it, sort of thing. And they're only taking like the clothes on their back and yeah. some wanigans, and they're good to go, sort of thing. So, and that's a really cool like part of canoe culture is the wanigan. Yeah. Some camps have completely disavowed them and have nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm. And other camps, they, they wrap their entire heritage around that one again. They take yeah. that. It's a really polarizing opinion. Of, yeah, between, some are just like, screw We've got barrels now. <clears throat> we don't need to worry about that. You can put a yeah. nice harness on a plastic barrel and have that all sealed and airtight and everything. Bearproof for the most part. Yeah. But then also the Wanigan's got their classic appeal to them yeah. with a nice leather tump line and stuff that like that. That Wanigan inside of a canvas canoe, yeah, that look is just timeless. And, and it's also a good little like work table and stuff. Yeah, they have their ups and downs for each of them. You can have a little chopping place to put your chopping board yeah. and do some meal prep on top of it. And just make sure the lid's closed when you do that so food doesn't <laughs> get all in the inside of it. Yeah. 
because that's always a pain in the ass to have to pull out everything just to clean it all. Got some little shavings of cheese now going spoiled in the wood. And you can bear hang (coughs) a barrel a lot easier than you can a wanigan. I've never tried to hang a wanigan because it's just going to tip and fall all over. Usually we end up putting everything (laughs) into bags and then hanging it in the tree, which always made me wonder why do we have this thing. Yeah, I would just like walk (coughs) it like 100 meters from camp and then plop it out in the woods somewhere. Lock it down. Some of them have locking mechanisms. Mm That does work, and you can always replace that if you want to with a cooler with a with a tump line on it. Mm-hmm. Like you can go as cheap instead of having to pay to for a good wanigan. At the same time, you can build a wanigan really Hell easily yeah. with simple carpentry skills. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple build. Yeah. Um, anyways, Tomogamy. I've, that's actually one of my favorite places. I haven't been there since I was a teenager, but we did my first big trip was in Tomogamy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful country. Yeah, I'd like to do some like longer trips there. It's a good place to like move around a long space yeah. and do some of those longer trips without being so far up like James Bay area yeah. and stuff like that. But <clears throat> that's kind of the the fun of it. It's like it's kinda of like Ontario Shakutami. Yeah. Like Shakutami, Quebec is like the launching place for all the big expeditions in Quebec. Yeah. I think of Tomogamy kinda of like that. It's just far enough that you it's already a trip to go there. Yeah. And then second, it's still accessible within a day's drive mm-hmm. for most of Ontario to get to Tomogamy. And then you got like Wabakimi and those other further away trips uh, that you can do yourself as well. Yeah. But I've always like I've always had a soft spot for Tomogamy. I'm not sure it's because I've always was a fanatic of like reading Grey Owl's writings and stuff yeah. and lived up there for so long. But it's also my connection of going there as a teenager for my very first big canoe trip. It was really cool. Um, I guess my favorite place to canoe was is rivers. I'm a river guy. I'm not a yeah. I'm not a whitewater guy. I'm a river guy. Uh, I grew up on the Saugeen River, and that's probably my favorite place to canoe in the whole wide world is is the Saugeen River, because you're not likely to have to do any heavy portages, like very few. They're mostly just getting up and around the dams that are yeah. on the river, um, but it's slow moving for the most part. There are some rapids, but they're like class twos. So you can take newcomers to it. And that's what I've always liked is taking people who have never done a trip on a trip. So I wouldn't want to take them where there's going to be class four, class three rapids, but I could take them on class twos. And Mm -hmm. I can, especially when the water levels were high in late, uh, early summer, late spring, perfect place. You don't even really have rapids. Even if you just have swifts, it's easy enough. Yeah, it's great. And so I've always enjoyed that, especially up into, like, uh, the, the last half of the Saugeen, where you're kind of moving from farmland to forests and then back into farmland. There's some rapids here and there. There's big oxbows in the, oxbows in the river. So you go up and around a big peninsula. It's nice and round, and you see these big cliffs of just pure sand and clay. And then suddenly you're in Lake Huron. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you're now on a lake trip. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to, or you could stop off in Southampton and get a bite and camp there somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of cool to do those like near t- uh, near home trips like yeah. that. But Tomogamy is a cool expedition trip, at least for a weekend, if not more. It's it's good on the rivers too. You feel a little more close and intimate with everything. Like sometimes you get a little agoraphobic on a big open lake where it's yeah. just open from every side. I've done Georgian Bay, and when you get to the middle, you feel like you're in open water. The movie. Yeah. And you're waiting for that big <laughs> shark to come up. Yeah. Like it's spooky to hang your foot out of the wall out of the get canoe a big or jump sturgeon out. come and get you. Oh. <laughs> and then also like at night you're still on that water and yeah. sometimes you wake up and there's a ship going by. Yeah. <laughs> that is the most terrifying feeling it's like when's the wake gonna hit us? Get up, get up, get up, get up. Everybody yeah. wake up, get ready. And yeah, that's it's cool to sleep out in a canoe like that, but it's terrifying at the same time. Yeah. So the big water always makes me kind of nervous, which is why I like the rivers. Yeah, the the rivers give a little better mystery in that sense, where like around every corner things are changing, but you got to keep just a lookout around every corner, making sure nothing bad's coming up, no no waterfalls or huge class four rapids Mm -hmm. coming at you, class fives. So that's the biggest struggle is you got to scout rivers a lot more. Yeah, open water you can be like. Yeah, we're clear for 10 kilometers. Yeah. As long as that storm doesn't come in, we're good. On a river, you got, like, every big turn, you got to kind of get out of the canoe and check it first, or at least slow the canoe down and take a look yeah. around. Um, the, the scariest part of, like, waterfalls is you can't hear them when you're on top of them. Yeah. 
uh, is at the bottom, you can hear all the crashing. So when you're looking up ahead, all you're seeing is flat water up ahead. Yeah. And then what really gives it away is when you start seeing the water going up. Yeah. Like water droplets and stuff, rivulets and all that going up in the air. And then you go, oh, shit. Normally I'll notice <clears throat> the treetops are now in line with the, the edge water. of the water itself. Yeah, <laughs> like it, I've never noticed that, but I can believe yeah. it. I've always just, I'm always looking at the water trying to figure it out. That's a great tip. Yeah, it's, I kind of look on the horizon, see what's coming ahead that yeah. way. And then once you get closer, it becomes a little more defined where you can see that depth. Yeah, yeah. And having that depth perception and yeah. seeing things. So in that note, scout ahead. Check yeah. things, check your maps, check everything. Mm-hmm. And maps that are a couple years old on a river can change. Yeah. Um, buddies of mine that did a tomogamy trip on a, one of the big rivers up there, they took maps that were only two years old and the portage had changed because the water levels had changed up there over the years. And the portage that was on their map was in the set of class four rapids. They had no ability to drag themselves to that portage. Mm-hmm. And then they hit five foot to six foot waterfalls. Yeah. And that was their only way out of the canoe was flipping out of the canoe. It was it was a nightmare. We had to get we had to send a team to go up and save them and get them out of there. It was a pretty bad trip. Yeah, some places in Tomogamy, you'll never know which routes will be traveled. Recently, I've done somewhere you get portages where every ten meters there's a tree falling across and you have to clear yeah. it with your saws because there's no other way. Yeah, it's too thick on either side. You've only got like a meter or two wide trail that's kind of overgrown already, mm-hmm. and then you have all the trees that have snapped from tornadoes and snowstorms and all that kind of stuff coming across and you don't know if anyone's taken that route in the past 10 years they might just go a to b style rather than hey let's take this little side route that goes to this nice lake that we want to see so i worked up in algonquin park and for a couple of weeks i got to work with uh, uh, craig mcdonald and he was a park ranger pretty much since the 50s He'd yeah. been a park ranger into the 2000s when I met him. And uh, I got to work with him on portages and build them. There's a lot of consideration into building those portages, how to get those routes to be as smooth as possible for everybody because there's some older portages that are friggin' rough. <laughs> in, even in Algonquin Park where, like, everybody goes. There's some, like, Isle Alder is one of the worst portages I've ever done in my life. It's thick, thick, thick brush. And you're going up at like a 70 degree incline for what feels like two kilometers. Yeah. It's a nightmare. And then you hook up with someone like Craig and he's building portages from that perspective. Those portages suck. Nobody enjoys going on those. And so he's rebuilding portages in Algonquin Park up until his retirement, which could have only been like a couple years ago. He was building, he would spend his winters scouting and scouring topographical maps and grading it all out and figuring out the like actual best route through there that's still going to be scenic, but doesn't go past like a 30 degree incline. And he would spend all winter scouting that out and come black fly season, he'd be out there with chainsaws with volunteer groups like my group. And we were in there cutting and moving rocks and like rolling boulders and pulling stumps out of the ground that weighed like 800 pounds Mm -hmm. using digging bars and winch systems that are hand winches. Amazing work to get those portages to be nice and smooth. And if you don't, you end up at like tomogamy where it's, it's not maintained. That's not the job of anybody up there really. So when you get into tomogamy, it is wilderness. It, like you, you have to be self-reliant and make those decisions. Like, do we find a new route or do we cut through with our saws? Yeah, that'll be the popular <clears throat> routes where everything's pretty packed down. Well, it'll still be rugged since it is really hilly and mountainous yeah. up there. It's rock, the oldest mountains in the world. So Yeah. So going, like I was looting before, one of the routes we went, we're like, oh, we'll go off the, this main route. And, like, we'd planned this all out before. This is part of our trip plan and everything. But we wanted to go to a little lake called Mud Lake that was, like, okay. a little triangle. You could either go straight to the other lake or else you could do a little short portage to Mud Lake and then another portage to meet back up to where the end of the original portage was. So yeah, yeah. we decided to go and take that <laughs> small portage to Mud Lake, stay Mud Lake, and then the next day meet back up on the other end. 
but that first portage was just all these huge like 10 foot boulders and everything it was an old dry riverbed or something like yeah. that but we were just hopping from boulder to boulder while portaging our canoes and all our gear with us so wow. that was a pain in the butt and then you could tell nobody ever took that route because <coughs> the campsite we got to was pretty small and didn't look like it had a lot of signs of people recently. <laughs> Is this a campsite? We're like, okay, that was good. We've been past like the tough part and everything like that. So then we pack up the next morning, paddle off to the other end of the lake, and we can't find the portage because it's so overgrown. It's so overgrown and everything like that. But first, yeah. we had to break through a couple beaver dams because there was no other God. way to get through because it was just beaver dam, beaver dam, beaver dam, beaver dam. So we were just kind of scooching across the top of them and making little breaks in them and stuff because it had created, like, it was just dried, almost dried out the rest of it. It was just, like, a little bit trickling through, so it was a little swampier, but... Oh, man. And then getting to the next portage that was overgrown eventually because it was like 100 meters past that <laughs> so nobody had been there in forever and then getting to that portage and it just being tree 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 <laughs> so we're like not again we won't do that route again we had our little explorer vibes going on yeah. there got that over uncharted now. territories so <laughs> back to pampered trails yeah <laughs> totally I've done a few where you have to sit there with like an axe yeah. And chop out every sapling in your way because the willows and alders are just taking over because no mm -hmm. one's taken that route in decades. Yeah, even just a couple of years, a portage can be overgrown fast, mm -hmm. and then you get a few trees that die and fall across it, or you get a rock slide that happens and moves a bunch of the stone onto the trail. Yeah, washouts happen, and so being mindful of that in our experiences, we we're talking about like four four good categories: um, day trip. Weekend trips, week-long trips, expeditions. What are some good places in Ontario? for? Because a lot of our listeners are in Ontario. Some of you are in Alberta. Some of you are in Quebec. Some of you are not even in Canada. Some of you are not even in North America. I check out the analytics once in a while. It's freaking cool. we got a lot of UK people. we got some people in Sweden. we got some people in uh, Australia. We also have some people in Asia. It never said exactly which country in Asia, but it said Asia, and I was very curious by that. Um, but for a lot of our listeners, you're from Ontario. And so thinking of that, but also for people that may want to come to Ontario and do canoe trips, because Ontario is kind of a great place to go canoeing. There's a lot of options. We've got a lot of water here. And on vacation, you might, they may have time for a big, long expedition, but it's always good to have a couple weekend trips yeah. in your sleep. And We've got a lot of mix of that. Go to and stuff like that. So for day trips, for me, it's honestly... Anywhere you can get to in, in an early day. Like, you can make a really cool trip out of a simple little creek in the neighborhood. Yeah. And have a cool exploration. We've done that up in uh, Norland, Ontario. It's like an hour and ten from me. Went up and did the Head River, uh, Head Lake, which turns into the Black River well, up there. Just Eels Creek along Eels Creek there. Great option. a good little option. Radic and I did that yep. a month or two ago. April. You did yeah. that in April uh, and found me on my rainbow. Oh, yeah. No, that was us. <laughs> no, when that went was, out. Yeah, that's when we went, we went up bird watching. Campbellford area. Right, right. And went to a lake there, but we did Eels Creek as well. And there's like campsites yeah, yeah. along the creek and everything yeah. and waterfalls and stuff like totally. that. So it can either be a nice day trip or else you can paddle in a couple hours, camp, and then paddle out a couple hours. Yeah, you can so. do an overnight. Uh, Sawyer Creek here in Peterborough, there is some private property on it, and Navigable Waterways Act gives you access to be able to move around that property. Property owners disagree with that. I'm not going to get into it too much, but you can get kind of harassed on some of these smaller creeks is what I'm saying, because they'll be like, that's my backyard, that's my creek. Well, no, Navigable Waterways Act gives you the right to move through bodies of water that are navigable by a vessel, and that includes a canoe. Well, that was like on Eels Creek. There's a lot of areas as you're coming through, like Haltane, yeah, stuff yeah. around the old mill there. There's like all these signs along the river's edge, private property, keep out, yeah. <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. And they're right to a degree. I believe you have to look at the Navigable Waterway, Waterways Act. It got modified back under the uh, Harper administration or the Harper, par, uh, Harper cabinet. And uh, it did change, but as far as I've been able to find, they have not changed your legal right to move through that water. So you may not be able to camp on their property, and I wouldn't recommend trying, especially if you see no trespassing. Yeah. But you are allowed to paddle through there. 
They can't harass you on the water. The sticky area comes to as if you have to like portage around something. Yeah, that's where you <laughs> got to ask questions and potentially even ask the property owner. Don't trespass, but walk up and say, hi, I'm not trying to be problematic. We just got to get around here. Would you be okay if we just port out? We're not trying to camp here. We're not going to make a meal here. We're just going to get our canoe out, walk over there, back to public access, and get back in. Yeah. And usually when you talk to people reasonably, they're going to be reasonable back. They, mm-hmm. they usually will say, yeah, go ahead. Just don't take anything, and I'll stay out here and make sure you're not robbing me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which would be the weirdest way to rob somebody is by canoe. <laughs> If you really think about it, that's like the weirdest way to get away because they could just call the cops and be like, wait at this portage, <laughs> someone's coming. Anyways, um, so for day trips, really anywhere you can get to that's a body of water. It could be Lake Ontario, it could be Rice Lake here in the Peterborough area, it could be the Kawartha Lakes. There's a lot of the provincial parks, are, like even some of the new ones are pretty small. Kawartha Highlands is, you can Beautiful. have a lot of options. You can do week-long trips and you can do weekend, weekend trips, trips and day trips. So. And we're kind of biased because it's such so close to us and both of us are, have kind of cut our teeth in there a few times. Yeah, It's a good place to paddle. So you'll probably hear Kawartha Highlands Provincial Park come up a couple of times in here when we're talking about different places you can camp or canoe, I mean. So for day trips, find a place and go. Yeah. Really is the answer. It could be the Sogging River. It could be the Sobel River, the Humber, the Ganaraska, wherever you can get a canoe and a paddle in. Yeah, Credit River, anything like that. Credit River is a great canoeing spot in the city. So from there, weekend trips. We're thinking a Friday evening, a a full Saturday, and then getting out on Sunday, a weekend trip. What would be a good place in Ontario for most folks to go for weekend trips that you think? Let's say the majority of the populace live in Toronto and Ottawa. So from there, where are some good weekend trips that are within a day's drive that they can get to and be on the ground in, in the in well, the that's water? the thing is, like, the driving distance is how long can you commit to driving yeah. to a location or how much paddling do you want to do? So, say, if you're from Toronto and you want to go up to Killarney or something like that, you're driving three or four hours yeah. just to get up there. Even Algonquin, you're yeah. driving at least two and a half, three hours from yeah. Toronto to get there. So, like, you can, there's a lot of good routes there, though, that you can set in on the same lake that you're going to take out at. You just Mm -hmm. paddle over to your campsite, stay there a couple nights or a night, and then paddle right back to your Mm -hmm. intake kind of thing, so. Short rivers, or short trips on rivers. You just got to figure out the plan of, like, leaving a car at one end, having your pickup at the other, so you're not, oh, shit, we got to one end, and all of a sudden we don't have our car (laughs) And there's there's great outfitters out there. Uh, Thorncrest Outfitters, I'm not sure if they're still active, but they were the ones for the Sogging River. They had shuttle services where they would pick you up, take you to the input, pick you up at the output. You just arrange with them when you would be arriving. If anything changes, you could stop in one of the small towns along the way and call them from a pay phone. This is the before cell phones. I'm nowadays you could just give them a ring on the water. Uh, So there's always that option as well for your input output on a river. So you could do a weekend trip, no problem on most trips Mm -hmm. in most areas. Sogging River, Algonquin, Kawartha Highlands is a great place to do a weekend trip. It's not far away at all, especially if you live in the Peterborough region where Mm -hmm. a lot of our viewers are. Uh, You can get up from Peterborough to the Kawartha Highlands in less than an hour. Yeah. It's it's a really easy access place. And uh it's also on route to Bancroft. It's on your way up to uh Halliburton. You have the Halliburton Highlands as well up there you can go into. Uh you can also camp uh on a lot of smaller crownland bodies of water in the Kawartha Highlands and the Kawartha Lakes region. So there's a lot of places you can go for weekend trips. Yeah. Any other where, place you can think of? Um well a lot of my experience, like you said before, is I've done Halliburton Highlands water trails and stuff like that and they have a lot of good short loop options and stuff like that where even so you don't have to camp on the lake you you can do one short portage and then that's as far as you need to get from civilization then you just camp out there and you do feel like you're out there because you're not having motorboats coming through and water skiers coming right past your campsite (laughs) and if you do hear cars it's more like the distance distant hum of the highway somewhere yeah you'll hear like transport trucks on the highway at night you might see the light pollution off in the distance that's what i noticed a lot of in halberton highlands but yeah a lot of those areas just are intertwined with lakes and rivers so there's endless possibilities of where you can actually go up there and some of these places are crown land areas as well which means you don't have to have you know a camp permit 
You don't have to have a specific campsite to go to. Well, that was like Eels Creek. Yeah. There along the river there is just Crown Land Camping, even though it's like established campsites. Because everybody Crown camped Land. there. Yeah. When I did the uh, the Head River slash Black River, uh, we did. you can do a one-day trip or you can turn it into a couple of days trip. Uh, where we were, the water level is too low to actually make it from there all the way down to like Kuchiching area. Yeah. <clears throat> but where we were, uh, we could do a two-day trip in. And it'd take half a day to get out. So it was a f- perfect weekend mm-hmm. trip. And uh, everything was crowned. So you can, there was established campsites. There was yeah. problems with those campsites because, again, you'd find trash and all that junk. Yeah. But they, it's not a popular part of the river, so it wasn't a lot of that. There wasn't a lot of established people, a uh, sign of people there. Yeah. <clears throat> so even, it was nice. Even doing the Black River from Vancouver down to Cooper's Falls in the Washago area last year was... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's civilized, but you're going along the edge of uh, Queen Elizabeth II wildlands. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's out there, but it's not too far out there at the same time, and it's only stopping up near Wichego. So you're, the put-in point was about level with, like, Bracebridge area. So yep. it wasn't too far from Toronto. It was nice and close, but yeah. there were some areas, like you said, with the rivers, how they change and... We did it midway through May, so it was like right through the flooding season. So we would come up along, hey, the river says it's going around this way, but all of a sudden there's huge log jams just pushed in there, and then you'd have to either work your way over it, or else it was like, oh, no, there's a new part of the river that's opened up now, and it's going this way now. My buddy uh, Corey, he did a trip on the Black River right after the ice left, and he ended up paddling through a small provincial park on his way th- down the Black River. And he actually bisected, uh, or not bisected, removed a four-kilometer stretch of water by just paddling through the park during the flooding time. Yeah. And he was like, it's really weird because you're paddling around trees, and then you get to this one part, and there's a playground. And you're paddling between the swing sets. <laughs> and he's like, it was really weird. So at the right times of year, you can have some very weird adventures that stick yeah. with you for a long time. In... Fairly, not urban, but civilized areas. Well, that's the thing, too, is making sure you have an updated map with the most recent yeah. one. You don't want something that your grandfather had. <laughs> that whole river could have been dammed up and diverted, yeah. and you never know. So, for weekend trips, again, you can kind of stay pretty close to, to Toronto, Peterborough, maybe, at the furthest you have to be to get there on a Friday evening, set up, paddle into your campsite, stay the night paddle further or just paddle that lake all Saturday and then come out Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's a river or a lake, you can set it up in different ways. What about a week-long trip? What are some cool places for week-long trips? That gives you a little bit more like you're planning out, you're going to give yourself a day to drive. Well, there's endless possibilities to Mogami. Yep. We've already talked about stuff like that. And then there's the typical Algonquin Park. There's so many different options with that. Just yeah. since you can go at it from the east, it's a south, west, web. or north. I've done all of it. So. Yeah, it's a spider's web of just portages and lakes. And I've done <clears throat> multiple trips that included partial pieces of the previous trips I've done, like Northern Algonquin. Uh, I think it was like Kiosh Kokui or something like that, just Northern Algonquin right near the Quebec border. But then we went all the way over to, like, Wendigo, and this is, like, Cedar Lake, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, Bruce Township or something like that. Brent, that's what Brent it Township, is. Yeah, yeah, that little tiny old logging town. Yeah. So there's a lot of options up there. You can just go up, you can go on Cedar Lake there, and there's tons of camping sites there. Or else you can get a few portages away, and you're in the middle of nowhere. Because the further north you go in Algonquin, the less you'll see of people-wise. People Even, yeah. like, Kiyoshkokui was pretty... Popular. Pretty popular, because there's, like, a campsite right there, but then you can just paddle in and mm-hmm. get in there, so... And then, beyond Algonquin, you have Tomogamy. We've kind of talked about Tomogamy enough. We also have Killarney. Mm-hmm. Killarney's another option that could easily yeah. be a day drive and then be oh, up there yeah. for a week. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty area. I've actually never camped in Killarney. I just have gone through Killarney. It's a pretty small park in itself compared to things like Algonquin and yeah. Tomogamy. But there's a lot of options. And, like, 
options of paddling slash hiking and all that stuff. You can paddle in and do Silver Peak. You can do the crack. You can do the crack. Uh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, there's good options up there, even all around. Just like putting it on Bell Lake or George Lake or something yeah. like that. So. And also for week long trips, you're getting more open to big lake travel. Yeah. You could do Georgian Bay. You could do Algonquin. Yeah. Uh, you, sorry, uh, uh, Lake Huron. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say you could do Superior because that's a longer drive to get up to Lake Superior. Yeah. Like you're gonna have to get up past Wawa. Mm-hmm. That's like at least day long drive. We did that before. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a non. That's not a one day trip. Yeah. So Lake Superior is a little bit more. You're getting into your expedition kind of level in mm-hmm. Ontario. But uh, you can get up to Lake Huron no problem. It's a couple of hours. You can get into like. Let's say like the Perry Sound area is the safest bet because yeah. of all the little islands off of yeah, there. Thirty thousand. And then even called. like companies like White Squall really set up yeah. trips and stuff like that, and they outfit and mm-hmm. do all that sort of stuff. So, even though most of the stuff around there is kayaking, it is really rocky and harder areas to kind of really get a canoe up on shore and getting yeah. yourself without slipping around and doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Same time, it's just as hard as in kayaks sometimes. Yeah. So and then Lake Huron, you're dealing with big sandy beaches up until you get to the pot, the yeah. point. Once you get up to the actual peninsula point, it gets a little bit more rocky, mm-hmm. and then you can slip up and over, and then go down the east side on Georgian Bay side yeah. of the peninsula. I've but never, that's a I've never trip. done anything really south of Perry Sound area. It's no. like there's Massasauga, yep, and stuff like that. There, I know people have done shorter trips in there, and it's nice and easy, but. Even when I've worked at camps, we ran trips out of Algonquin. We've done week-long trips there, and we've done, like, three, five-day trips there. So, right. Nice. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice area. There's lots to do. Even, like you said, there's tons of, like, unexplored areas and places that you're not going to find on the top ten travel list, ex- like, locations oh, for. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> like, Algonquin Park, Killarney, Tomogamy, yeah. and stuff like that. And then it's in between, like, there's Crown. Yeah. There's You can do... Like trips like the Black River, mm-hmm. there's all these places you can go where you can extend that trip. The Saugeen River, you can start up near Perry Sound where it starts the headwaters of the Saugeen and work all the way down to Lake Huron. Yeah. There's so many different options you can have there. So for week-long trips, a lot of places. Expedition trips, that's more like 20-day, maybe month-long. Mm-hmm. What kind of places Ontario can be in there, do you figure? If you were to, if I was to say, hey, I'm going to give you a paid vacation for a month for Canadian bushcraft, you can t- go anywhere in Ontario and take <laughs> us on a trip. Where would you want to go? It depends how far north if you want to go. If you really want to go up Hudson's Bay area, something like that, and really just go from river to river and just find that, like, outlet yeah. coming in from the bay kind of thing, and you can travel for days and weeks along some of those rivers and tributaries and stuff. So. North of Lake Superior too, you got the the true Black River in my eyes. Like the Black River that we have down here is nice, but the Black River of Northwest Ontario goes up near Magnetowan, or not Magnetowan, sorry, Marathon and Manitowage. Mm-hmm. It is like genuine boreal forest, and you're way up on the shield and it's moose and wolf country. It's not like moose and koi wolf country like we have in Algonquin. You got you got the Algonquin wolves, and there's a little bit of koi wolf in there. You can even do province-wide expedition, country-wide expeditions, which is something I've been researching for a few years now about going coast to coast. Oh, that'd be cool. And doing that, but just even going, starting St. Lawrence River in Ontario, getting to Lake Ontario taking the Trent Severn waterway up to Georgian Bay and then up to Superior from that. Yeah. And from there all the way to Portage de Prairie. Yeah. So there's a lot of options. Like if you're going to go all the way around, it's a little more difficult to go down the Erie Way <laughs> and so you're just yeah. instead of cutting right yeah, up yeah. through the rivers and everything. But And even just with the old, what's it called, the carrying place in Toronto where they yeah, used yeah. to have the huge... Massive portage. Portage routes right up through the Humber River, so... Yep. And up through Simcoe and all that to Kuchiching and... Yep, and all the way from there to Perry Sound, yeah. and from there, Bob's Rounds, so we can go can anywhere. Just, you can look at a map and just follow the water. <laughs> yeah. And just be like, I want to do that. And, and then figure out a way of how to do it, search on Google about... 
people's trip logs and what they've charted down and what yeah. they've done before. And sometimes in a lot of the lesser traveled areas, it's pretty hard to find someone with some knowledgeable input on where to go and how to do it sort yeah. of thing. So you just got to give your due diligence, especially with those longer trips. Because you got to figure out everything from are you going to be resupplying? <coughs> or are you going to be taking yeah. all the food with you in the first place? It's just a lot of logistics to plan out before doing a trip like that. And for those kinds of trips, you kind of want a team. Yeah. You can't just do, like, a, most of these, like, even a week-long trip, you can do it on your own, no problem. You can do stuff, you can, like, there's Mike Ranta, who's made a name for himself by doing these countrywide trips with him and his dogs, so. Yeah, It's That's not true. impossible to do alone. It's just challenging as hell, yeah. you gotta have all <laughs> your ducks in a row and have everything set up. Yeah. For, for a big trip up into, like, from here to Wabakimi, mm-hmm. if we were to do that, you need, like, you know, at least two people. Because mm-hmm. spread out that weight of that food, spread out. You're going to be doing, if you can do a one-shot portage or you got to do a multi-trip portage, especially if you're carrying enough food for the whole time, or are you going to be fishing? Are you going to be mm-hmm. foraging? Are you going the right time of year that you could potentially be hunting? Yeah. All you that kind of stuff has to be taken into trips along the Ottawa River and everything like that. Yeah. So out further east where a lot of good white water is, so. Definitely. Endless possibilities. The list goes on and on. And so that's a great way to kind of bring this to an end is you can experience everything from a couple of hours pleasure paddling all the way to grueling grunt work for months and paddle practically every day of open water. One other fun fact is that if you took all the water in Canada and laid it out flat across everywhere with all the depth, it would be two meters deep across the whole country. Just That's with insane. all the Great Lakes, all the rivers, everything. If you laid that out flat across the country, I think it was two wow. meters. Two be, meters yeah, deep. Yeah, I think so. I'm 1.8 meters. Yeah. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. Wow. So there's a lot of water to travel yeah. and a lot of places to go. And I, like the rivers are the highways of the back country. hundred percent. So, so I feel like it's an, a good way to get yourself really deep in there without having to hike it the whole way. Yeah. So <clears throat> That's a really beautiful point. Like we can experience all of Canada in the way that our ancestors did from both sides, from First Nation and from settlers everybody did these routes and you can kind of have that nostalgic moment without ever having to be a complete history buff you can be like this portage somebody else has done this portage whether it was a week ago or ten hundred uh, like ten thousand years ago there's a chance someone did this portage and sometimes you'll see like in agua canyon the petroglyphs and the pictographs and old cabins and old railway pieces and stuff it's really going back in time and depending on yourself, as they did in those times, yeah. it's really beautiful. And especially Algonquin is amazing for that. Finding the old ruins of cabins and old logging, logging operations. Yeah. And I've gone, walked into the forest a hundred meters from the lake, and all of a sudden come across like a dilapidated cabin with moss-covered roofs. So yeah. it's pretty crazy, and just islands with a single chimney standing there. So very cool. So, dear listener, if you're hearing from this and you're getting some inspiration. Go out and find a canoe, or rent a canoe, or buy a canoe, or find a friend with a canoe and go out and paddle. Try it out. It's the national symbol without being the national symbol of this country that we reside in, in this landscape that is surrounding us. This is made for you. So use it. Thanks for tuning in. Ryan, once again, thank you for tuning in with us and joining us for this awesome episode for your insights. It's been great. For all of you out there, part of the Dragonfly Nation, thank you for tuning in. Have yourselves a great day. Take care and go get wet in the water. Hey there, Dragonfly Nation. I hope you're enjoying this wholesome, sometimes deranged content. We here at Canadian Bushcraft love creating it. We do this podcast along with our live feed videos and several other projects for free to make sure information is shared far and wide to everyone. But if you'd like to help support this project and our other variety of projects, we would be so appreciative. You can find a link to our Patreon account in the information section of this podcast episode. As a patron, you will gain our undying love and admiration, and depending on the tier you choose, you will also get a few kickbacks in return.
These include weekly patron-only articles, monthly one-on-one video sessions with myself or other staff to help you with the skills you're trying to hone at home, and also content such as this podcast one week sooner than the public gets it. You also get to have input on upcoming episodes as well as any future videos we produce. As a small business who wish to remain sponsor-free, we appreciate any and all support from our fans and followers. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a good day.